with us on last week. We were looking at Jesus Christ, our prophet, and now we're going to look at Jesus Christ as our priest, and on next Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus Christ as our king. Those are three major roles in the Old Testament that God put in place for the people of God that were very essential to the religious life and social life of the children of Israel. That was the prophet, the priest, and the king. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we want to look in our pages of God's word to see how Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Son of God, is also our priest. Turn your pages, uh, your copy of God's word to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 is where we're going to begin our reading, particularly at the 14th verse. Hebrews chapter 4 beginning at the 14th verse, after which we're going to look in the book of Leviticus together. Um, just in case you want to go ahead and put your finger there, we'll be looking at Leviticus as well. Um, but to begin our journey, we're going to look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter, beginning at the, sixth, the 14th verse, and then we're going to look at Leviticus, the 16th chapter together. God's word declares, as a Hebrew writer has penned, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. With hope of the Spirit, with this thought, we want to look at God's word with this thought in our minds as Jesus, our high priest. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Well, Father, you said your house will be called a house of prayer. So we continue to call upon you, thanking you so much that we have the opportunity to call you Father. That we have the opportunity to gather in this sacred space once more to worship you and to turn our attention to your holy word. Now, Father, we ask that you would speak ever so clearly to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your word would, would, be, that would penetrate our hearts and our minds, that our hearts and minds would be receptive soil for the seed of your word, that it would take root in our lives and that we would produce fruit for your glory, that we go further in our relationship with you and our relationship with others is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The, those were the three major roles or offices that were essential to the religious and social life of the people, the prophet, the priest, and the king. And like packages wrapped under the Christmas tree, just as many of you right now, you're beginning to see those packages uh, with, with beautiful ribbons and adornments all around them. They don't always show you exactly what's in the package, but there's something attractive about the Christmas package. Anybody, you already got all your shopping done? Oh, none of you do. Mm. But, but, but there under the tree, as we continue to look, there, there are going to be packages, and, and we're attracted to the packages. They, they got on our, our attention. But it's only when we look beneath the package can we see the true value of the gift that's given. Well, the prophet, the priest, and the king are like that gift wrap package. There were four shadows of Jesus Christ. 
of Jesus to come. They, they were a picture of all that Jesus would fulfill. For the three individual officers of the Old Testament, prophet, priest, and king, were held by, by many, but Jesus fulfills all of them. Jesus Christ, our Savior, comes as our all-sufficient prophet, priest, and king. And today we're going to, to look uh, more in-depthly at the priest, more specifically, the high priest. For in the Old Testament, the first priest that's ever mentioned is found in Genesis, the 14th chapter, and he is identified as Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is both a king of Salem and a priest of the Most High God. He is both a king and a priest, representing the royal priesthood, a line of the royal priesthood. And when Israel became a nation unto God, God then instituted the priesthood of Aaron who served the people of God as their high priest. And the priests had functions that were specific to their charge. For the priests would pronounce blessings over the people of God. The priests would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people of God. And the priests would make intercession for the people of God. The, the priests would bless the people of God. They played a key role in the people's lives. Because people, at least in the Old Testament, you'll tell me whether or not it's true today, but Heather, people had a problem with sin. And I don't think it's just reserved for people of the Old Testament. In fact, I read in the New Testament where the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in case you think you were left out of that, let me just help correct your vision for a moment because none of us are righteous. Only God is righteous because everyone, when you're born of man and woman, you are uh, infected with sin. So the people of the Old Testament were infected with sin. And so God institutes the priesthood. In the priesthood, he gave them a specific duty, and that was to atone for the sins of the people. So there in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, the 32nd verse, we have God's instructions for the high priest that he's placing in charge to intercede over the people of Israel. There in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, the 32nd verse, the word of God says, and the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garment. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make atonement for the tent of meetings and for the altar. He shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. And this, God says, shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron, the first high priest, 
followed by his sons, did as the Lord commanded Moses. See, the Old Testament laid down a complex regulation by which the guilt of sin could be removed through a sacrificial system. Sin had to be paid for. And particular emphasis was placed on the role of the high priest who was required by God to make an annual atonement, an annual sacrifice on behalf of the people for their sins. This is the job of the priest. And the Hebrew word where the concept atonement comes from can be translated purged, cleansed, purified, wiped on, covered. The priest was to take a sacrifice and bring it beyond the veil of the tabernacle into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God, and offer it on behalf of the sins of the people so that their sins would be covered. Uh, let's see if I can help you understand this. Um, you know, school is different these days. Um, when, when I was in school, we, we had a class called typewriting. Any, anybody in my age group? Just, just, just for a moment here. Uh, yeah, typewriting. We had typewriting one and typewriting two. I'm not going to be too critical of the new school system. I just don't understand how they give kids computers, but I don't teach them how to type. But typewriting one and typewriting two, and, and by God's grace, I, I, I took that class. And uh, Pastor Brett, uh, every now and then, while I was trying to learn the, the art and, and the fine motor skills of, of typing, every now and then I would mistype something. I, I would not always get it right. I, I would type the wrong thing in the wrong place. I, I would error in my efforts to get it right. And then I learned of something called whiteout. Mm, uh, uh, some of you call it correction tape. And that, when you, when you mess up, all you had to do was take the whiteout and the whiteout would cover over the mistake. Come here, I'm just trying to help you understand something. That God wouldn't leave us in our sinful state, but in the sacrificial system, he said, if you just apply the blood, it would just cover up some, mm, thank you, Jesus. It would cover up their, their sinful state. This was the sacrificial system so that every time they sinned, a sacrifice had to be offered, and it was offered on behalf of the people by the high priest. The problem, however, is that the, the sacrifice wouldn't last to the duration or equal to the duration of their frequency of sinning, so every year the high priest would have to go and make atonement on behalf of the people. You would have to go and offer sacrifice for them. And this is a picture, a, a foreshadowing of what our Savior would be to all who choose to believe in him. That not only did Jesus come as our priest to make intercession for us, but Jesus as our priest became the very sacrifice for us. Mm. The priest offered a sacrifice 
under God. And when they were in the Holy of Holies, beyond the veil, where no one else could go but the priest, they would offer the sacrifice, and then they would intercede. They would plead with God on behalf of the people that the people would be forgiven of their sins. And that was just the picture of a time when the Savior would come that was foretold by the psalmist. For in Psalm 110, there's a messianic promise there where the Lord said in Psalm 110 and 4, the Lord has sworn and has not changed his mind. He says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That was a promise written in scripture that a priest would come whose intercession would last forever. And that priest, the Hebrew writer describes as being not just a priest, not just a priest of the most high God as Melchizedek is described, not as just a high priest that would enter the Holy of Holies once a year on, on Yom Kippur to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. But the Hebrew writer in that fourth chapter identifies Jesus as our great high priest. Oh, if I had your Bible, I would underline that because sometimes you need to remember just how great our Savior is. The 14th verse in that fourth chapter of Hebrews says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus is not only the priest who blesses. He's not only the priest who is our sacrifice and who intercedes for us, but there is none greater than Jesus Christ, our Savior. In fact, Hebrews, uh, in the writings of Hebrews, they demonstrate how great our Savior is. For in the first chapter, he declares that Jesus, our Savior, is greater than angels. For in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, he declares, having become as superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus, our Savior, our great high priest, is greater than angels. But not only is he greater than angels, don't miss this, he's also greater than Moses and Aaron and all the lineage of priests that have come before. He is greater. The third chapter of Hebrews says this about our Lord Jesus Christ. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were being spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Jesus, our high priest, is greater than angels. He's greater than all that come in the priesthood. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than all creation. Our Savior is greater. I'm in the first chapter of Hebrews now, where the writer writes, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he holds the universe by the word of his power. 
after making purification for sin, look what Jesus does. He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. In other words, if we're going to understand the reason why we ought to have confidence in our high priest Jesus, we must look to the fact of his supremacy as our high priest. There is nothing and no one greater than Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is nothing, no one greater than Jesus. Oh, Jesus is greater. And so look what. The Hebrew writer says, as we look at the supremacy of Jesus, he gives us an action step right there in the text. In that 14th verse, he says, so let us hold fast our confession. That when Jesus has entered your life, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the psalmist says, when you realize that there's no one greater than Jesus, nothing greater than Jesus, no system supersedes him, for Jesus is supreme. He is superior over all things. He says, hold fast to that conviction. Don't loosen up on it. Don't let it go. Don't walk away from it. Don't waver. He says, hold on to it. When the disciples were following Jesus, there was a time when Jesus was teaching them in the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, he's teaching them, and it was a, a hard lesson because every now and then the Savior would challenge you in the areas of your weakness. He gave them a hard lesson that many de decided to depart from Jesus. So he turns to his disciples and said, will you depart as well? And Peter says, well, to whom will we go? Because we believe that you have the words to eternal life. Peter says, we believe. We're not going to waver. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Listen, saints of God. When Jesus has entered your life and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, don't allow any circumstance, don't allow any challenge, don't allow anything to come against your belief in Christ. That even when you don't understand why God is allowing what God is allowing, you're trusting that all things will work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose do not waver in your confession but hold on somebody say hold on hold on to your confession don't let it go for he's writing to believers here who others are coming in and trying to persuade them that they need something in addition to Jesus Christ but I love the way my grandmother and grandfather just sing it of old they say Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. In other words, there is nothing else needed when you have Jesus. You have enough. He serves as the great high priest. Because as a high priest, his supremacy of, high, of being our great high priest is demonstrated. But I, that's not where we stop, though. Let's continue looking with me in that fourth chapter as it describes Jesus as our high priest. Jesus, our high priest, is the son of God. So he said, lay hold to your confession. Look at me in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, Drawing near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Look what he says about our Savior, Jesus Christ, the great high priest who intercedes for us, who blesses us, who is there for us, who is the sacrifice for us. It says not only is he supreme, but he has sympathy for those who believe in him. That, that is the sympathy of our great high priest. Sympathy here in the original language uh, is really a compound word, which means to suffer with. I hope you get this. That Jesus Christ, our Savior, is not a Savior who is aloof or who is uh, so far from you that, that he is not touched, King James says, by your infirmities, but rather he's a Savior who comes near to you. He, he sympathizes with you. Let me see if I can put this in Twitter form. Jesus cares for you. He, he knows where you are and, and he cares for you. We celebrate Christmas and the Christmas season, which is the coming of the promised Messiah. And the reason he came, the reason God sent him is because of his care for you. This is our high priest. This is the one who intercedes for us. One who sympathizes. Because not only does he care, not only does he, he suffer with us, but I, I love this because he gets in it with us. Uh, Peter walked with Jesus as Jesus was in his earthly ministry. And this is what he surmised in 1 Peter, the 5th chapter and the 7th verse. He tells his readers, he said, cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties upon Jesus. Why? Because Jesus cares for you. I love the way an old preacher said it this way. He said, he said uh, we have many cares, many cares of this world. There are many cares that we are concerned with, but Jesus has one care. He cares for you. I know others may ignore you. Others may turn their backs on you. But our high priest, he said he'll never leave you. He said he'll never forsake you. He's the kind of high priest that will come and get in it with you. He won't deny you. He'll, he'll sit with you. He's near the brokenhearted. He feels what you feel. God knows what you're going through. Oh, that's the second part here. Because if he sympathizes with us, so he cares for us and he understands you. And he knows what you're going through. Isn't that good news? Because there are those we wish could understand what we're going through. But you have a high priest in Jesus Christ who knows everything that's going on in your life. He cares for you. He understands the struggles that you are going through. He understands what you're up against. Because he himself came in human flesh and was tempted just as you and I. Don't get this thing twisted. He was tempted just as you and I. Which means he received all forms of temptation. Not not every temptation but every kind of temptation he received but he unlike us he received the temptation but he did not sin this is what qualifies him to be our high priest um i told you he understands you he cares for you oh i figured i'd get a witness but i decided dr brett to bring my own 
Because Mary and Martha, they were in a precarious predicament when the life of their brother, who they relied on, had, had been taken. He, Lazarus, had died. They called out to Jesus, and Jesus didn't come when they wanted him to come. But somebody knows the story. Uh, Jesus came, and when he came, he was right on time. The text says that when Jesus came, he saw them weeping. In that 11th chapter of John, he saw them weeping, and the Jews who had come were weeping, and Jesus was deep moved in his spirit and greatly troubled and he asked them where did you lay him and that verse that if you don't know any of the verse in scripture you might know this verse right there in that 35th verse it says and Jesus well, I knew some of you knew it Jesus wept in other words he understands what we're going through you don't serve a savior who is far from you you serve a savior who will come near you, who cares about you. And as our great high priest, he understands you. Uh, because we see the sympathy of our great high priest, but not only does he understand you, as our great high priest, he intercedes for you. Mm, you you, you got to really uh, know that you need intercession to understand how to appreciate the fact that Jesus intercedes for you. Intercession is when someone comes in and help me get myself out of what I couldn't get myself out of. He intercedes for me. It's when someone who doesn't benefit from helping me chooses to help me because I'm in need of help. Jesus comes and he intercedes for us. But look at how he intercedes. Because unlike the priests of the Old Testament, when they interceded, once a year, they would go behind the, the curtain of the Holy of Holies, go into the presence of God. They would offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people once a year that they might be forgiven of their sins. Look at our Savior. This is why he's the great high priest, because he doesn't go just beyond the veil to the Holy of Holies. The Bible says he's passed through the heavens. So he's not just in a, tap, in, in a tabernacle. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. You're not getting this just yet, because it doesn't mean that it's not just once a year that Jesus intercedes for me. He's right there by the Father saying, listen, I died for his sin. I died for her sin. He intercedes for us. He is our high priest because his supremacy is over all. He's our great high priest because his sympathy, he understands us. And thirdly, he is our great high priest uh, because of the sufficiency we have in Jesus Christ. I'm still in the text. If you hadn't closed your Bibles yet, because the text says in that 16th verse, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Listen, when Jesus Christ is your high priest, he gives you access 
to the throne of grace. Mm, you're not with me here just yet. That without Christ, all we have is a throne of judgment because our sins warrant judgment. But with Christ, he gives access to the throne of grace. Okay, here it is. Grace is when God bestows upon you what you don't deserve. Grace is when God gives it to you even though you don't deserve to have it. But before he gave you grace, he gave you mercy, which means he didn't give you what you deserve. Maybe I'm the only one in here that is grateful for God's mercy, that, that God didn't give you what your sins warranted, but instead in place of judgment, he gives you grace. Don't miss this, y'all. Because when he talks about Jesus Christ being our great high priest, there are, two, there are two commandments, two exhortations he gives us in the text. The first he says, he says, to hold on to your confession. And that's what he says. He says, he says hold on to your confession. But that's people though, then he says, uh, draw near to the throne of grace. Mm. He says, Lee, hold on. And then he says, draw near. Hold on to what Jesus has already done and draw near to the throne of grace to see what he's going to do. Uh, I, uh, let, let me see if I can help you understand it this way. I, my, my, my son, my, my youngest son, he's in his senior year, and, and, and if his brother was here, I'd still brag on him. He's, he's the best young driver I have in the house. My son is the best young driver I have in the house. And I was traveling to Louisiana just recently, and, and he was helping me along the way. I, I, I love that. I love that. You know, I don't just, he don't just pay for his insurance, but he helps his dad along the way. That, that's a good son right there. Uh, but we're making our way to Louisiana, and, and we're going on the back roads, and it was ups and downs and twists and turns, and he was, he was was making the drive and he was handling it well he was staying in the lane he wasn't wavering going to and fro he was staying in his lane but then when we got to Louisiana he had to get the vehicle in position it was in a parking position and I was sitting right next to him in the passenger seat but something was happening because he's never had this experience before he's in the driver's seat and he's trying to go forward but he's on an incline he's on an incline trying to go forward but something was happening the more he tried to go forward every time he let go of the gas he would roll back down. He, he, he never had this experience before. He, he's a new driver. He, he tried again. He, he put his foot on the gas. He, he went forward, but then all of a sudden he began to roll back down. He, he said, Dad, um, you do it. I don't understand it. I said, no, son, this is something you got to learn. You have to learn how to handle this. He said, well, then how do I do it? I said, well, when you go forward, hold your foot on the brake. That'll keep you from sliding back. And then give it a little gas. That'll keep you, keep you going forward. I said, anytime you feel that you're going to slide back, just hold your foot on the brake. And then just inch up just a little bit closer so you can get in position. Come here. I don't know who I'm talking to. But he says, hold your confession. Don't roll back. That things are going to happen. Challenges are going to happen. But you hold on to your confession. But you don't stay there. You put some your foot on the gas and you get a little closer and you get a little closer and you get a little closer to Jesus so you'll know that he is the God who sees you, who cares for you, who loves you, and who will be there for you. Says, he says, draw, draw near. I mean, doesn't let, don't allow anything to get in your way. You draw near. That Jesus Christ, our great high priest who intercedes for us, he opens the door for us that we might be in relationship with God and all we have to do is come. 
no matter what the enemy tries to convince you of, that, that God did not do it for you, let me tell you something. God loves you so much that even today he's saying, come. No matter where you're coming from, you can, you can draw near. That's what he says in the text. He says that you can draw near, but why should I draw near? He says, with confidence, this is the privilege of prayer. This is the posture of prayer. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that you might receive mercy and find grace when to help in your time of need. And all of us will need some help. All of us will be in a place in life where we need the help that only God can provide. And sin had separated us from God, that we couldn't be in relationship with God, and we were all in need of help. And Jesus, our great high priest, came and he became that help that you might receive mercy and grace. In fact, I invite you to stand all over the building. Because the efficiency of our great high priest extends to us the privilege of prayer. That, that we're able to come to God. And because of Christ, we're able to come and receive the help that we need. I want to invite you to accept that help, to accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, to accept his gift of salvation that is through the sacrifice of himself, his blood that was shed for sin. And when you accept Christ, his blood covers all of your sin, that, that you take on the righteousness of God. Because of him, you can become a child of God. Because Christ Jesus, when you're in relationship with him, he blesses you. He is that great sacrifice for you. And he intercedes for you. Because I don't want you to forget, he cares for you. So I invite our prayer partners to come forth. As we fill this place with prayer. And if today is the day you're saying, yes, I want Jesus as the great priest of my life. I want Jesus as my Savior. I invite you to come down these aisles, connect with one of our prayer partners and pastors. We want to pray for you and celebrate what God is doing in your life. If you are in need of prayer, he said to, to draw near, to come close. We want to pray for you that you might experience God's mercy and God's grace. So as we sing this song, I invite, come on, I see you already. Come on, come on, come on. I invite you to come. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.